ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Scott show on a Friday. How's everybody doing? The month of April is here. Beware. I'm not going to try to pull some stupid April fool's joke out on you. Have your guard up today though. Somebody in your life will. Somebody in your life will. I thought it was April fool's early when I saw how much newsbreakers for ESPN were getting paid. My God. I mean, it pays to break news. Holy cow. Adam Schefter and Adrian Wojnarowski. Woj, Woj breaking NBA news, Schefter breaking NFL news. That's why they, that's how you know them. You're not like, oh, there's Adam Schefter from NFL Monday Night Countdown. Or, oh, there's... There's Adam Shifter from the Adam Shifter podcast. Oh, there's there's Woj. There's Adrian Wojnarowski from from NBA Countdown or NBA Today. No, you know them first and foremost because they're breaking news. You hit refresh, boom. As Adam Shifter reports, this deal is in pl- As Woj reports, this deal. Oh, there is rumblings that this. It is the news breaking, the rumblings, the rumors, and those two guys who had interest from other outlets both just signed multi-year deals that'll pay them ten million a year. Holy cow! Guess it pays to break news, at least at the top. Sheesh! Sheesh! Now, here's some news for us to break down. Or rather, you know, an email for someone to break down. Got this email this morning, about 6 a.m. from Clark. Scott, I want your thoughts on the month of April as a sports month. I hear you saying October's the best with March being a close runner-up. You never mention April. April is absolutely loaded. Think about it. Final four, NFL draft, Masters, it's top notch. Why do you hate the month of April in sports? Uh, well, you know, thank you, Steve Pelican. I don't I don't hate the month of April in sports. And you know what? I, I to your point, I think it's good. The reason I look, final four is it's 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 going to be huge this weekend. The UNC Duke game is built up like as probably as big as any 
going to the build up for this final four is as big as any we've ever seen because of that. It's huge. But oftentimes the final four ends with a whimper. It's a culmination. Like the great thing about the tournament is everything before the final four. It's like watching a great TV series and then you get to the end. And sometimes the ending pays off and it's great. And other times it leaves all of the fans just angry and upset and complaining online. That There's no guarantee the final four is going to be good every year. You're always guaranteed that the first four days of the tournament are going to be great because you have so many games. There's no way every single one of them is going to be bad. They're going to be memorable. So, I, you know, Final Four is good. April is a good month for sports. I'll give it to you. But it's not the best. Well, what about opening day? Okay. Opening day. For the hardcore baseball fans out there, opening day is awesome. Opening day is fun. I watched the Mets on Apple TV Plus because apparently it's the only way you can see the first game of the season. But most of the interest in baseball from the casual sports fan that isn't a hardcore baseball guy, it's not coming around until October, the best sports month of the year. I say not coming around. That's when it's at its peak. You might peek in on opening day and then kind of go away for a little while, return. Now, now, as far as the Masters and the NFL draft go, okay, you got me there. You got me there. I mean, the Masters is the Masters, and the NFL draft is the biggest non-sporting sporting event in America. No games played, top-notch interest, huge ratings. I mean, it's like going out to recess and saying, all right, everybody, pick pick your players for your team. And everybody's tuned in, and they're, they're going gaga for it. So, Clark, I got to give it to you. I mean, April is probably third on the list because then NBA playoffs. NBA playoffs. You got the play-in tournament. The end of the NHL regular season, the start of the playoffs, okay. Okay. Now, October, I think, is the best. March, you got the you got the bracket. September is the return of football in a lot of ways. Heck, this November, my God. I mean, you throw the World Cup in there. Why again? God, playing the World Cup in Qatar. What a what it what it just crooked FIFA. You know, one of the great things every four years, well, not four years ago, because the US men's national team didn't even qualify, but they qualified this week. They qualified officially this week. They're in the World Cup. One of the great things is is every four years in the World Cup is like, gosh, right in the middle of the summer, the excitement of it, the fandom of it. The patriotism of it. I mean, it's like, seriously, it's awesome. Now you're going to throw it because, you know, you can't be playing in the desert in the middle of the summer in November when you've got college football, NFL football, NBA. Come on. Come on, man. Stick that thing in July with Wimbledon. Yeah. 
It's awesome. It's awesome. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Ten minutes after the hour. Gus Cagiel joining me this morning at 7.15, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent. Danny Reed, play-by-play man for the Georgia Southern Eagles, joining me at 8.15 this morning. Georgia Southern coming to Russo Park this weekend for three-game weekend series against Louisiana Raging Cajun Baseball. What are you going to do with your time this weekend as a fan? How far can you go with your, with your fandom? been reading this week about about this eric church guy some of you might have just laughed because i said eric church guy i didn't know who eric church was i mean i i knew the name okay i knew the name but if you played an eric church song on the radio i wouldn't recognize it with respect to my my friends over at 97.3 the dog i don't listen to country music play some old garth brooks maybe okay i'll, I'll that's that's okay i'll listen to that Outside of that, I just, I don't, I don't know country music. But he is a huge star in the country music world, as I've learned. And he has angered um, a lot of his fans, a lot of his sponsors, and a whole lot of important people because of fandom. See, he was scheduled to play a concert in San Antonio tomorrow. And Eric Church, who I think went to App State for a little while, if I'm not mistaken, is not a huge App State fan. No. He is a hardcore North Carolina Tar Heel fan, even though he didn't go there. It's his favorite team. He canceled the concert, sent out an email that Ticketmaster sent out on his behalf, that the concert won't take place, there will be no makeup date, and it's so that he can go to the Final Four in New Orleans. Okay. What? What? If he goes and North Carolina loses, was it worth it? This is all or nothing for Mr. Church. You lose to you to the hated rival of the team you root for, and Coach K gets to keep going. By the way, he doesn't have a concert on Monday. It's almost like, well, if North Carolina's in the title game, you can go and you're not ticking off every single one of your fans and sponsors and producers. But hey. I mean, I get, you know, yeah, well, hey, if an artist gets sick, they cancel a concert. Sure. Really, really sick. But bailing on your fans for a game? I got to say, guys, I respect it. I respect it. You talk about hardcore fandom. This guy's not messing around. I mean, he, he, the guy, come on. On one hand, it's like, look, he didn't even go to UNC. He doesn't support App State. What the heck's going on? Fans had their tickets. They have been issued a refund. 
Who knows if we'll ever go back? Fandom knows no bounds. Hats off to you, Mr. Church. I'm still not going to listen to your music, but hats off to you. Hats off to you. I mean, you could just watch it. One of our listeners, Patches, message. She said, I mean, he didn't have a TV on the bus. I don't know. I don't know when the concert was scheduled for, but that's hardcore fandom, man. But if he goes, ticks off everyone he's already ticked off, and they lose, man. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Gus Cattengale joining me next, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. we got a lot to get into. Gus has been more... Um, optimistic than I when it comes to the black and gold and the all season to this point. We're both optimistic at the moment about the Pelicans. What is the city looking like now? I talked to him a week ago. Hey, final four. Is there any buzz? Is there a lot of signage? Well, a week later and you have got, well, Duke UNC coach K's farewell tour. (coughs) Excuse me. It makes me a little nauseous when I hear it. What's it like now? We'll talk Final Four, talk Pro Nola segment, talk Cajuns later. Uh, Danny Reed joining me at 815, play-by-play man for Georgia Southern. Big series over at Russo Park this weekend between the Eagles and the Cajuns. Cajun softball over Texas State. Keep it locked in. It's Friday on the Gray Scott Show. We're right back in 90 seconds. Don't go anywhere. The biggest names in sports are talking to you every day on the Rich Eisen Show with me, Rich Eisen. I know! Every weekday from noon to 3, right here on ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Someone trying to sabotage you today. It's April 1st. No, I don't think Eric Church's uh, cancellation of his concert is an elaborate April Fool's joke. That's just straight fandom. Gus Cagnell, Saints and Pelicans correspondent, host of the Sports Hangover in New Orleans, is our guest now on a Give Me All You Got Friday on the Great Scott Show. Pro Nola segment. Gus, good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. Is there any truth that the Give Me All You Got slogan is how you feel about Saints free agency? That's why you started all of this. Shoot, man. I mean, if it's Give Me All You Got, they hadn't given much. <laughs> they got all this money. I, I, I'll say this. Marquez Valdez-Scantling told them that, and they were like, brother, take a hike, <laughs> you know. And he got the deal from KC, uh, and I was okay with that. But, I mean, before, uh, before I ask you Saints stuff, I asked you a week ago, Final Four, right, was their buzz. 
now I would imagine in the city of New Orleans, there's got to be a lot of buzz now, right? I mean, it, the Duke, UNC, Kansas, Villanova, a blue blood, a blue blood slash country club of of basketball schools. Um, a lot of fandom. I mean, is the signage up? Is there a buzz in the city? Because, you know, having sporting events back with, you know, without the COVID restrictions, it's, it's, it's been several years, Gus. It's been a while. The last big one pre COVID's, um, you know, restrictions was, was when LSU played Clemson and the natty in football. It's been a while. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, um, you know, kind of seeing that. And, you know, a lot of it is, too, if you're downtown and, and you're starting to see people kind of starting to come in, Scott, um, for the event. And, you know, yesterday was your first day where you can go get your credentials. I went kind of first thing in the morning to kind of go do that and, and go see where you um the Hyatt, which is where the media center is and everything. Yeah, I mean, definitely start seeing people kind of starting to come in. So once all that starts, you know, you kind of get an idea maybe of that buzz that you're talking about. I mean, um, it was interesting to hear that since really 2019, this is the first full Final Four they've had, whether it had to do with COVID restrictions, as you said, or whether it had to do with, you know, kind of being reduced to what something like 25%, I think is what I heard yesterday, last year. So you haven't really had a full-fledged having a Final Four sort of thing in a couple of years. And then you add all of that, you know, intrigue to it. And, and it is, you know, and it's kind of nuts though, because like I said to you last week, you know, here locally um, and just with everything going on with, with the Pelicans being in a playoff push, it's been a huge part of our topic and it's been a huge part of us, um, you know, following it. And then you add the NFL off season that sort of happened you know, it's crazy. You put on whether it's the morning shows on ESPN, Scott, or the national radio shows, you're constantly hearing, you know, all that talk about the other sports. But as we get closer to your point, it is the, hey, here's Tom Brady. I mean, not, not Tom Brady. Here's UNC and Duke. And, you know, the fact that legitimately there's some Blue Devil fans that feel if they can be the last team to knock out Coach K, before he retires, I, I I literally heard somebody yesterday say in the you know kind of area right before the escalators where you walk in to get your credentials, say if we beat them, then uh, it would be you know it'd be the, the the best thing, better than winning a championship, which is absolutely nuts to me. I I know there's a rivalry, I know they there's dislike, but that's crazy, you know. It, it's 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 all fandom is just great. I mean, I, I want Duke to lose so bad, and yet they for them, you know, I mean, look, Duke's binary. You you got to have one. You got to have a strong opinion. If you don't, I question right. if you, you know, know anything about sports or follow it. So if you, like, if, if you're on the Duke-Coach K side of things, there is no better send-off. There is no better way for him to end his career, and it would make everyone that hates Duke nauseous. And if you're not, you know... I mean, a loss in the natty coming up just short would be funny, but a loss to UNC in the final four, yeah. who's an eight seed, yeah. I mean, to their arch rival, gosh, it's just, I love the drama. My hope, Gus, is we just don't get, 
you know, one of these tournaments that's great up until the final four and all, because it all builds up to the ending, to the crescendo, and sometimes you just get three lousy games, and that's that's always a disappointment. Yeah. If we get three classics, and if that Duke UNC is a classic, oh man, yeah. I mean, it, it, people will be talking about this final four forever. Yeah, and, and to your point, that's why I'm kind of, you know, itching to get in there on Saturday and, and check this out, because I think you're going to get one heck of an environment, you know, and, and you're talking about blue bloods and things of that nature. Um, look, you know, occasionally you saw in the last couple of years with Will Wade and LSU playing Kentucky or some games, so you kind of got that sense and feel. But, Scotty, even here with the Pels, when you got to go back to, to me, when CP, you know, was a game away from the Western Conference Finals. I'm, I'm talking about that every possession, packed area where, you know, you're – you're waiting and holding on to go to the concession line or go to the bathroom because you don't want to miss the thing. Like just that environment, that, that feel, you know, like we essentially kind of feel that in a football game. And, and it's so interesting when you've been there because the last final four that I attended that, you know, was Anthony Davis that was here, you know, that you had AD and, you know, seeing AD, uh, win with 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 Kentucky and that I just remember that I mean, just like every possession and you know the the band going uh, bananas and all that it's just it's just cool man it's cool to have all of that in here like you mentioned the, the schools that are here they all have incredible fan bases and if you're if you love like old school basketball or don't care for the one and duns well then you're a Villanova fan right I mean you remember them winning a couple years ago against UNC Scott. Um, you know, there at the end, and you know, they, they play team defense. They have guys that stay there for a while. You have all these different things, and you have the rivalry in the other one. You know, Kansas with Bill Self, who wins, you know, the conference every single year, but can't win a bunch of national championships. Just like, There's so much to that um, in, in, the, in those two games. It's, it's going to be fun to, to check out to see. I, uh, I've never been to a Final Four. Now, I'm going to be at the game Monday night, whatever the matchup is. I am going to be at the National Championship. Looking forward to it. Um, but I did live in New Orleans in the early 2000s when you had uh, Syracuse, Kansas, Texas, and I think Marquette in the Final Four. And uh, it ended up being, a, a you know, that was the Carmelo Anthony. Jim Beheim got his daddy. They beat Kansas in a game where... You know, it was a great game. Syracuse played really well. Kansas missed a bunch of free throws. But I just remember being in the city during that time, and there was so many people that came in for it. It's not quite the Super Bowl. It's a little different in that there's more people there for, you know, the semifinal than the actual final game. But there's there's just fans everywhere, and um, it's a mishmash. There's, it's, it's great for this state's economy. I'm glad the Final Four is here, and I'm glad that it's – you know, the teams that it is because you're guaranteed to bring a ton of, um, you know, a ton of people in. And it, it it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to Monday night for sure. You mentioned the last time the Final Four was in New Orleans. Anthony Davis, you know, most outstanding player of the Final Four. I think he scored two points in the final, but it was because of everything else he did. He did so many things. I mean, he deserved that award. And then he ended up, you know, going to the New Orleans Hornets, which ended up becoming the New Orleans Pelicans. And we all know the AD story. So why don't we segue now, Gus, uh, here on ESPN Lafayette, Great Scott Show. Why don't we segue now into 
AD and the Lakers because reportedly he's been hurt. He's going to return tonight most likely against the Pelicans who look to sweep the Lakers who were two games back of the Pel, really two and a half if you want to count the tiebreaker and desperately need the win over New Orleans to try to be in the play-in tournament in the playoffs. The Pels, meanwhile, can make it even more difficult for the Lakers, not to mention if the Lakers' draft pick falls in the top 10 this next year, it goes to the Pelicans. So AD, Hurt, LeBron, Willie, won't he play? There are a lot of backstories in this one. It's a late tip, right? It's over in the Staples Center, 930, but... You know, it's a Friday night, so you're watching college baseball tonight. I know a lot of folks listening will be at the UL Georgia Southern game. When you get home, flip on the Pels game. It's going to be on late, but, man, um, it's nice to be in the month of April. I mean, here we are on April 1st, Pelicans playing meaningful basketball against a Lakers team that desperately needs to win, and it's not an April Fool's joke. This is reality here in 2022. No, man, Scott, I mean, it's what I was saying, man. It's It's crazy like where the focus has sort of been and, and the attention. I mean, look, I, I had a, a a laugh and a half and just, you know, a chuckle and a half yesterday when I'm sitting here thinking that, you know, the Lakers' hopes come down to trying to beat the Pelicans, that, you know, they're resting LeBron James so they can have a better shot to beat the Pelicans. They're making sure that Anthony Davis is ready to come back in order to beat the Pelicans. I, I like, seriously, again, it's just funny, you know, when you just look at where we've been since the last month, man, from, you know, national media and folks calling us a poverty franchise, the city, nobody wants to be here, uh, you know, all this different aspect of it. And, you know, it's kind of one of the things that I touched on over the last couple of weeks, too, is what, what makes a city that kind of city? In other words, what makes a football town a football town? What makes a basketball town a basketball town? You know, what makes St. Louis a baseball town? It's winning. You know, it's, it's winning. It's winning, and it's a connection with a player or two that is one of the premier players of that sport. That, that's what made Pittsburgh a football town. Sean Payton referenced it in his retirement speech that before they won championships, no, nobody looked at the Steelers as the the model franchise or something of that nature. So, you know, you, you look at, at at his team and Sean Payton and the Saints until they started winning and were Super Bowl contenders. They won a Super Bowl. Nobody used the Saints as a model franchise or something. Winning matters. So I, I'm just I am enjoying the heck out of this ride, and it's interesting to sort of hear yesterday on TNT watching that Laker game, and it was Stan Van Gundy who was doing color, and he was going back and forth with the play-by-play about where the Pels are, and it's what I've been saying. You're, 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 be this year's Memphis Grizzlies, Scott. Um, you know, get, get whatever kind of experience you can get in the play-in. Understand kind of where you need to go from that point on, and then take that step. I think I've even referenced it to you earlier a couple of weeks ago on my show where I asked you if they can and not be next year's, you know, Memphis team where Memphis right now is the number two seed, dude. Um, I don't know if they do that next year, but with the healthy Zion who, you know, is invested and wants to play 
signs the extension. There's no distraction. Why can't they do that? This team is fun to watch, and it's just crazy to sit there and, and think not only that they're trying to make sure that AD and LeBron can play so they can beat this Pelicans team with the likes of Alvarado and Trey Murphy and things that age, which is just hilarious to me, but it's also what you see on the court, Scott, and it's what you see how the teams are formed. Like, I'm watching that game last night, and it's not a very good team. You're watching AD, who looks like he's more worried about what he's wearing than being invested on the team or on the bench. There's no interaction. There's nothing like that. Even, you know, you see Zion on the Pels bench during games kind of at least getting into it. It's just that there's a vibe and a sense in the field that's palpable. It's just crazy to me because, you know, we were told that LeBron was keeping receipts. God didn't, you know, did you ever tweet about the air age and how bad? Because he's keeping those receipts to, to come back at you when, mm, they, yeah. when they win the championship. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it's, 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 I, I don't know, man. I mean, you, you say this. It's a season-saving game against the Pelicans. Just think about and that. And they're both like, <laughs> what, the Pels are 10 <laughs> games under five hundred, And the Lakers right, are 12 right, games right. under. You know, I had a listener right. yesterday. um yes. You know, he was he was listening. He's like, I don't. I, I hear a lot of folks <laughs> saying the Pelicans, a lot of positive stuff about the Pelicans, and a lot of, you know, a lot of negative things about the Lakers. Whenever you know they're really not that different. You know, just check the records. I'm like, well, you know, um, here it is. Right? There's a couple reasons why. One, expectations. First of all, any LeBron team has championship expectations every year. Fair or not? Right. If a LeBron team is in danger of not even making the postseason or even a play-in when the 10 teams in the conference get in, it's looked at as horrible. You know, no one came into the season thinking the Pelicans were going to compete for a championship. I mean, no one, think, I, no one thinks they will now, all right? What have you done for me lately? The Lakers have been playing awful. The Pelicans have been playing well, right? I mean, the Pels started 3-16. and 16. Look at what they've done since then. Um, you know... It, it, I, I don't. I don't think the Pels are going to win a playoff series this season. But to watch them, and that doesn't—they might win play-in games, right? But I, a playoff series, no. But if you look at this young team, CJ McCollum, I mean, the future looks good for the Pelicans right now. They've got a lot of future draft assets. You know, the Lakers—they don't—they don't have it. Um, the the regular. If you look at the net rating, right, of this season. And you look at the first 40 days of the season, the Pelicans were just, I mean, they were bad. I want to say their net rating, I was looking at the graphic the other day, it was negative 7.2, right? And then days 41 through 80, still in the negatives, negative 1.5. Now days 81 through 120, it's 1.1. You look at 121 through 160, you look at the last 40 days, they have a net rating of 6.2. Now that's, that's fifth best, in the in the, in the last forty days, behind the Timberwolves, the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Celtics, they are playing so different than they were at the beginning of the season. You look at the Lakers' net ratings. I mean, it it really it's mainly been negatives most of the season, right? It's negative six point eight in the last forty days. So you can look at overall record, but if you've been following, you get why. One franchise is feeling, you know, positive vibes right now, and the other one is is feeling like it's doomsday. And that's what makes this game tonight fascinating in a lot of ways. Hundred percent. The four and fourteenth since the All Star break. Since the All Star break, the Pelicans have given you reasons to be excited and watch. Right. I mean, we've talked about this. Remember early in the season, I told you on your show, like 
looked at this year with Willie Green as different phases. You know, the hey, you know, what ends up with Zion sort of phase, and finally they decided to sit him down, and it was the buy-in, and it was the, you know, it's Ingram's phase, and okay, here's C.J. McCollum, and then they didn't win a couple games in a row after that because there was an acclimation period, which Scott brings us to another point eventually when we get to the conversation of, you know, if Zion plays and wants to play and he's ramping up and taking up, you know, three-on-threes and doing stuff like that, which I've been able to confirm that, you know, how long will it take to, to build that chemistry and would that be a smart thing to do when every game matters and do you do it in a play-in game where if you lose, you go home? But to to what you're talking about specifically, it's crazy to think how it's, to me, it isn't close, really, um, with how the franchises are viewed and, and feel right now. I mean, th- think of this. This week alone, I have played audio bites from Brian Wynn Horse to former players to, you know, NBA analysts that the most logical and reasonable thing for LeBron, because that's how it's referred to, and the Lakers, is to trade Anthony Davis. That's where they are, and it's what you're saying. They don't have anything else to trade commodity-wise, because when he got in there, he didn't want to work with the young guys and Ball and Ingram, you know, and Josh Hart and Kuzma, so he used them as trade to get Anthony Davis. Well, so you don't have young players really to do that, Draft capital has been gone in other trades as well. So when you start adding all that together, they don't have anything like that. They also have 40-something million in LeBron, 38 in AD, I think 41 in Russell Westbrook. That's just those three guys. Melo is in on the dirt, dirt cheap. But you, you, so your money is, is spent. You have no draft capital. And tradable assets don't exist. So there is no, you know, they, they can, him and Hall, they want about trying to come back. But literally, ESPN put it on a board two, two mornings ago. And they're like, you tell me how you're going to make this, this better. And they're trying to say, well, Polinka can't think. What, what do you want Polinka to do? I mean, at least Mickey Loomis and, you know, and Kyle over here with the Saints can actually use accounting and math methods and pushing bonuses this way and that way to make it work uh, to, to find money, quote unquote. But I, I don't know how the Lakers plan on you know, building a team that, to me, looks like Memphis, looks like Phoenix, looks like, you know, even Utah to an extent, man. You, you have to have, I think, in today's NBA, two guys that can carry you. If you can find a third, that's fine. But I think, to be honestly, if you did not like the super team build, I don't think you're seeing that anymore. I don't think it's sustainable. And, you know, can you go get that one? They did. They got a bubble championship. But, Scott, you look at the Pelicans, and again, I'm not saying they're champions, but you have contracts that make sense. You have assets. The, the, the Lakers draft pick, if they don't make the playoffs and it's in the top ten, it's a Pelicans draft pick. So we are rooting for the Lakers to lose. We are rooting for them because right now they'd be, what, eighth? And you would have that draft pick. And then there's the lottery, which means they can move up. They can even win the lottery, and it's still yours. So it's crazy to think where each franchise is sort of going because um, it just, again, you look at where the Lakers are and where the Pels are, man. It, it, 
it, it's crazy to think because of the history, because of all that. Um, so, yeah, they are viewed differently. But at the same time, I, I don't think it's the same on, on where they are because one, one team is clearly in a better position to be better long-term than the Lakers are, I think. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. That's Gus Cattingill. I'm Scott Prather on it. Friday, let's shift gears to the Saints, Gus. And um, uh, you have been much more uh, positive or optimistic than me. I feel like I'm being open-minded. I keep saying, look, they're, they're, I'm, I'm willing to change my mind if they do something. They haven't really done much of anything, and they don't have the depth they used to have. They are undoubtedly... Oh, uh, they have gone backwards since the end of the season. They lost their head coach. They have less depth on the O-line. Their tight end situation is dreadful. Alvin Kamara is probably going to be suspended for a number of games. You lost your two starting safeties who were second and third on your team and snaps played last year. I mean, where 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 am I off base here? Where is this offseason to this point gone well, Gus? Talk talk me talk talk I'm not going to say a, I'm not on a ledge. I'm just I'm I'm right here yeah. in my seat saying to this point it's just not good. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah. Um I keep I keep saying it's understandable, right? Um and I think that's when we talked on Wednesday when you came on my show. I know you were a little still concerned and worried, but they resigned Shy Tuttle and uh well, he deserves a statue. So I, I you know what, I, I, I will, I will, I will put that. In. I mean, they, re, he, they, everyone knew he was going to sign that tender. Like you knew that he'd be back. You figured Deontay Hardy, like all that. There, there are certain exclusive rights restricted free agents. You knew that was just a formality yesterday. That wasn't like you know news, but it gave me an excuse to you know send out the video of him stiff arming Matt Ryan uh, to Kingdom Come, which Absolutely. is always, which is always fun. Always, um, and that will never get old. I, I think, Scott, when you look at it, I, I think the, the why I'm still just sort of like, let's see what happens and being patient um, is because maybe maybe I got a little confirmation to my to my theory and what I think is happening, Scott, when Dennis Allen spoke this week. And, you know, as I told you last week and I told you on Wednesday, you came on our show, I, I think, when you look at the possible signings that could be out there with certain players, and obviously a lot of people are saying, hey, where's my receiver? Where's, you know, different players that could help? And you, you mentioned the safeties and things of that nature. And I just keep looking at, you know, what if I can get those players in the draft, don't have to pay them that money, can kind of reset things, especially with all of the different question marks that you had. And as we talked on Wednesday, those question marks to me don't end at players, right? It's, it's position groups, it's coaches, it's how will Pete Carmichael actually be? I mean, it just, there's just so much unknown. And even with Jameis Winston, the way the contract's structured, I'm not married to him for the rest of my life. I mean, I, I just think you approach this year because it's where you are. I think rightfully as a let's just see where we are season. That doesn't mean I'm not trying to make the playoffs. It doesn't mean I'm not trying to um, win. I'm not trying to put the best product. I, I just think it means making smart decisions. And to me, a smart decision is not just, hey, I got the money. Let's go out and spend it just because I have to. I have that sense and feel of, well, you know, if I don't get this player, well, then I haven't gone. Well, again, 
it, it, to me, then you're picking and choosing when to trust an organization that we've talked about in the last several years that is a winning organization that has shown they are at least competent in the draft. It's an organization that's put themselves in situations to win double-digit games and be a perennial playoff team. It's essentially the same organization still. Now, I understand a very, very big key component is gone in Sean Payton. I understand that. The voice is gone. But for the most part, most of that room is still there. It's still the same scouting department. It's still Jeff Ireland. It's still the same guys. And up until two months ago, they scouted all last season. They looked all last season. They thought all last season as if Sean Payton was coming back, right? So you, you get what I'm getting at? You're following me here in that everything to this point, it isn't something that completely just fell out of the sky. What I mean by that is if you've remotely covered the Saints and been paying attention, that team over-prepares and overthinks seasons and years in advance, all right? So under Sean Payton, what he did so well is that there wouldn't be a situation where this year, oh, we're going to lose this guy. Now what do we do? Do you legitimately think they had no idea Malcolm Jenkins was retiring until Wednesday, right, or the possibility if that would happen? Do you think the day that Marcus Williams signed with the Ravens, they went, oh, bleep, now who's our safety? No, I think I do think they, but yeah, but I, I they think they probably – no, you, I don't think you're wrong about that, but I do think they probably were, uh, whenever they didn't get Watson, were like, okay, what do we do with all this cap space now? No, well, but, but I, I hear you, but what I'm saying is they, they there's, like, you know, there's Excel sheets or there's a dry eraser board. There, there's there's contingency plans upon contingency plans. In other words, what I'm saying is everything that they're doing is not, not on purpose. Like, they're not just not signing people because they don't know who to sign or what to do or where to go. Because the two things I've said this week to kind of, you know, back that point up, Scott, is, well, how come no one else has signed all those receivers? How come no one else has signed Tyron Matthew? Um, there's a lot of teams interested. Same sir, one reportedly. Um, he's interested. I'm with you in that, you know, make this guy. But why hasn't it happened? And I think... Part of that is, um, I think, when you look at certain position groups, there's a belief that in this draft you can go find a lot of players that can sort of help you now. you got four picks in the top 101, as you mentioned on my show on Wednesday. So when you start looking at all of that, I, I just think you go back to literally what he says. And if we're going to believe what Sean says, and we're going to think that Sean was in on no, what did Dennis Allen literally tell us on Wednesday when he spoke? I mean, he literally said that he believes you build a team through the draft, you augment it in free agency. So if you're looking for new starting safeties for the future, if you're looking for a wide receiver that makes an impact and can do those things in a wide receiver heavy draft, in a draft where maybe there is you know, a possibility of getting a offensive lineman in the first or second round that can help you instead of James Hurst. If all of that exists there, does it make sense to go spend eight to 12? And I still think you get veterans to help you. And I think you still will, but I guess what I would caution Scott is the Saints aren't the only team that are not, you know, just going out there and doing it. I know you see a lot of teams that are, I think they're in different spots and positions, um, 
So I'm still not flipping out. I just, you know, they could completely blow it and bomb in the draft, and that's what they're planning and waiting on. And then you can have at it every single Friday or come on your show. But I, I'm sort of like, let's see what happens, man. I mean, look, you're starting to see in the last couple of days, whether it's through Ross Jackson and others, safeties, tackles that have met with the Saints, um, teams and schools, the Saints have been to with their pro days where they're at positions of need. That's where their focus is. It's clear at this point that they think that they can get better value or a better player in the draft than, you know, going and signing something. And I understand it to gamble. I mean, that player A has to be there, right? I mean, there's no guarantee that you like said player. Said player is going to be there in the draft. I understand all of that. Um, so, but that, again, just going by what the head coach said, head coach on, you know, this week said that that's how he plans on building the team. And I think where you are as an organization, as a team, it makes sense. The Saints are not winning the Super Bowl this year. They, they weren't going to win a Super Bowl last year. They're, they're not that spot. They're not a player away. They're not a, you know, Wagner linebacker signing away. They're not, um, you know, Devonte Adams receiver signing away. They're just not, um, there's hope that their quarterback can be the quarterback. There's hope that Michael Thomas comes back healthy. There's, there's hope that a lot of different things happen, but you just don't know. So I'm completely okay and fine with, you know, let's fill out this team, see what you can do, play the season, see where you are, and then start to understand where, where you're going to be as a franchise moving forward. ESPN, yeah, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Every, you know, one of our listeners says, I guess you guys don't believe in the saying you are what your record says you are. I, I think that's a, a, a cool old Bill Parcells saying. I think that's always part of the story, you know, to, to think that that's an entire story when you're looking at the long-term future of a franchise, uh, I think is short-sighted. You know, in season, in a vacuum, maybe you're thinking long-term, what does it mean? You know, it means a lot of different things for a lot of different teams. And, you know, the, the Saints have won the second of most games over the last five years in any franchise. And I know, I, I get they're not, you know, where the Rams are or anything like that. But I just, I want them taking steps forward. I'm not unrealistic about where they are as a team, right? No Peyton, no Breeze. Those days are gone. I don't I don't look at this team as, oh, they're... You know there was there was a stretch there where the Super Bowl window was open. I don't really think it's open right now. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't know. Naive in that regard. You know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not so silly to think that. Oh man, this team. That's the standard. You do it every year. I just want them to. I just want to see them taking steps forward. And boy, you <laughs> you mentioned the draft. You better hit on it, Gus. Right. I I think it's silly for anyone to expect them to do 2017. I mean, that's like the greatest draft in NFL history. Like, think back to all your birthdays in your life. And you're not a young man. Uh, You're young at heart. But, like, there's probably one that was, like, the best birthday ever, right? If you expected that every year on your birthday, you'd probably be disappointed a lot. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you you can't go in thinking, oh, you're going to do 2017. But you got to do better than 2020, Right, you got to do better than you know Cicero E, Zach Bond, and Adam Troutman. Three picks in the top hundred and five. You got four in the top hundred and ten. You need to make. You need to find some difference makers there because the truth is, you have more holes on this roster than you did in twenty twenty. Um, 
you had a lot of holes on your roster coming off the 2016 season, and you filled them with an extraordinary draft, and everyone in that draft has gotten second big contracts, not all of them with the Saints, because you can't afford to bring all those guys back, but a number of them with the Saints. So somewhere between 2020 and 2017, just think back to maybe it wasn't the best birthday party you ever had, Gus, but think back to just a really nice one. Right. That's that's what this they need to really they need the really nice Gus Cattengill birthday party draft. That's what they need. I like those kind of birthday parties. <laughs> really nice. You um, know? No, I hear you. Not like, the like best you said, ever. I, and I understand, you know, I mean, you're you're not wrong, Scott, in that you know, you're you're you can control a lot more with a signing, right? Than you can with, with a draft pick. I mean that draft pick has to pan out. I mean he don't tell the Cincinnati Bengals whether or not how many quarterbacks they draft. I mean, the Jets. I mean, I, I get all of that, man. But that's where your that's where your scouting comes into play. That's where your you know hope and belief that the, the, the scouting department, the people that you have in place, are, are are there and they can do what needs to be done. And look, I mean, I I, I think that you're gonna. Be able to do those things. Hopefully you can. Now, you bring up a good point. You have had some draft picks, you know, recently, like you mentioned, Ruiz and, and others that have not panned out the way that you would have liked. I mean, that, there's no, you know, denying that. But I just think at the same time, it's just kind of where you are. I mean, you know, you, you see the, the Rams make that signing and they just seem to be printing money and doing those things, but that's kind of... Hey, you know, they, they took right a now. page out of the old Saints playbook of, you know what, uh, cap space, just push it forward. Don't worry about it right now. You don't have to listen to your ownership at other franchises tell you there's no way you can circumvent the cap whatsoever. You want to you wanna make a bunch of roster bonuses, you know, from your what, what you're due that season? You want to push money back to future years on the cap? You can do it. And that's what the Rams have been doing. And they're, uh, look, they won a Super Bowl. So hats off to them. You know what I mean? It worked. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, these, these Jacksonville right. people that are like, you know, cap space is great. You need it. Like, what's that, what's that doing for you right now, Jags? You know, like, how has that helped you? No, I agree. And, you know, like I said, I, I just I just kind of keep looking at where this team is and just being realistic. I mean, look, I, I'm i a Cup fan. <laughs> I, I have to look at things realistically. Um, I, I, I'm you a Pell guy. You got that championship a couple years ago, though. I remember yeah, you and Larry so Holder talking about a great day. No, you guys were sloshed, man. Oh, Y'all are enjoying it. Dude, I, was, uh, I haven't cried that way in a while. But, look, I mean <laughs> – I guess I just I, I look at um, what will. I guess I look at it like this, Scott. Let me ask you: What, what would be um, a successful season? You know, we always do this in August, right? When when camp starts and, and you know. All right, that's a good question. That, that's a, that's a good way. That's yeah. a good way to wrap it up. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. That is Gus Cagnell. I think if you're the Saints, right? You were a nine and eight last year, and I mean. If something could go wrong, it did, right? There was there were a lot of obstacles last year. You still managed to finish 9-8 and eight with a winning record. So right now it looks like the NFC South is going to be the weakest division in football, right? So, I mean, I, I, think, I think to at least equal that. To, I'll say this. 
in my mind, you want to still be in the playoff hunt, you know, by the but when the when the end of the season is rolling around. If you have a chance to play for the postseason, whether you're already in it or whether you're trying to get that last seventh spot, when you get to week seventeen, then I, I would look at it as a successful season. Um that's me. Now people probably have higher expectations. I'm just looking at the reality of of what they have on their roster right now. Uh, and, and I think when you have, when you play in the South and you get in, look, you get into the playoffs. Who knows? You know, you're probably not winning. You're not competing for a Super Bowl with this Saints roster. Like I, I mean, I said what I said, but uh, I, I I think that's realistic. I think a standard's been set that's probably higher under Sean Payton. Um, you've got a new regime. You've got a, a lack of depth. Be competing for something. If they played in the AFC West, Gus, I probably wouldn't say that. But you're in the NFC South, right? The Falcons are atrocious. Matt Rule is, you, you see that that picture of all the coaches at the owners' meetings. I mean, you could tell the toll that, that you know, that Sam Darnold awful, has right? taken no, on him. Like exactly it. right. So, so yeah. be in the mix, right? Be in the postseason conversation, you know, in early January, whenever you're heading into weeks 16 and 17. And if you can do that, then, um, you know, I, I think that would be good. Now, of course, I'm... That, that my my opinion is subject to change based on the draft and maybe some other things that take place between now and and when they kick off the season. But that's where I'm at today here on April first. What about you? I agree with you. No, I agree with you. I think to me it's you know being a situation where you um are playing for that wild card spot, man. Like last year, I I, I what, where you were last year and what you did last year. I think to me. Makes sense. And I'm okay with, if that makes any sense to you. Like, I, I think that is a realistic, if you're battling for that wild card, maybe even can host that wild card, man, I, I'm high-fiving you. I, Because, again, all the different question marks you have, you would have told me you would have found a way to somewhat find enough wins and enough ways to get in the postseason when you lost your starting left tackle, when you lost both starting safeties from last year, when you didn't know if your receiver was coming back healthy and ready to ball in Michael Thomas, who is that other second big receiver that you can depend on? Taysom Hill's trying to be a tight end. Jameis Winston plays a full season. You overcame Alvin Kamara's possible suspension. Like, all of those things you would have to overcome or answer, which is why I've been saying what I've been saying the last 10 minutes to you is that with all of that looming, that's why I'm like, man, I think you make, you make certain decisions and you bank on the draft more probably this year with all of that, you know, question mark, then they're not, you go and co-defensive coordinator for the first time every year. Offensive coordinator has never called a full season of plays in crunch time. You know, how do you work with him on the side? Like all of that. And Despite all of that, I, I still think they're going to be a team that can compete with that. I, I absolutely think still, even talent-wise, while losing some of those players, they're not that much further below or if not even better than I think the Panthers and Falcons. So, you know, if you can beat the Bucks twice with Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill, and I understand members of that defense are gone, but I also, also say that, you know what, you may still have some other players that can still play for you. Look, what are, what are they going to do with Quan Alexander? That's interesting, right? No one's signed him just yet. Does he come back? Peyton Turner, hopefully he's healthier. And, you know, as I said, they, they're looking for 
DBs and safeties already. They they struck it with Paulson and Debo last year. They still have Roby out there. I just I when you look at all of this, I still think they're going to be a team that can compete for a wild card. I just don't think there's that many teams in the NFC that are far and above better. The AFC is. From a talent oh, standpoint, is clearly oh, superior. There's no joke. question. There's no that's question about it. That's a joke. ESPN <laughs> Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Gus cattengill has been our guest. Give him a follow on Twitter at GCAT underscore one seven. Check out the sports hangover on ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Gus, it's always good talking to you on Fridays, my friend. Appreciate you uh, doing it this morning. I know the dog and the kid are uh, busy in the background, but um, I don't know, man. You've, you've, I, I guess... If they had an Olympic sport of how to multitask in sports radio when you have young children, uh, you and I might be able to, to, to gold medal in it. Because I know when I was on your show Wednesday, yeah. I had all three of them in the car in the background because they didn't have school because it was going to rain a little. And we, we made it work. Yeah. We made it work. You did. Made it work. And currently right now I am cutting out Mickey's bow, Mickey's shoe, and a mini Mickey face with peanut butter and jelly sandwich cutters. There you go. While I'm talking to you. You got to do, man. You got to do muscle memory. You can't just be a regular peanut butter and jelly, you know? And then I get jealous, to be honest with you, when I look at my lunch and it's just two slices of bread and stuff. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should get my own cookie cutters, you know? Like, um, you know, for you, I can get you like some Mark Ingram cookie cutters. I mean, I could maybe get myself a Pelican's cookie cutter. You know, why not? Let's do it. I mean, I'm I'm down. If you tell me you'll get me a Mark Ingram cookie cutter, I mean, I'm not going to say no. Hey, man, you're the best, dude. I appreciate it, brother. Uh, take care, my friend. Have a good weekend. And uh, how, about a, how, about a, how about a Lakers loss tonight? How about a Pels win? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going to enjoy the heck out of that. I'm for it. And maybe I'll see you Monday when I head over there for the natty. Yeah, man, for sure. Love to see you, bud. All right, man. Take care. That is Gus Kangel, Saints and Pelicans correspondent. I'm Scott Prather. Quick timeout. Going to talk some Cajun baseball next hour. Danny Reed from Georgia Southern is scheduled to come on the show. Georgia Southern atop the Sunbelt Conference standings right now, coming to Russo Park for a three-game series. They, um, their play-by-play man, Danny Reed, will join me at 815. We'll get set up for softball. But when we come back next, the NFL overtime rule change just for the postseason, why it is still flawed, why you're probably just going to be right back where he is Darn it, I'll explain next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on a Gimme All You Got Friday on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. ESPN 1420, KPEL Lafayette, ESPN 103.3, K277DQ Lafayette, a Town Square media station. The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Welcome into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. 
Give me all you got. Give me all you got. Beware of the Adam Scharftlers in Ian Rapoport today. Those uh, fake Twitter handles. I'm sure you'll see some fake reports out there today with the good old April Fools. There's one right now. A guy, um, I guess he's from Texas A&M. He, he put out some graphic that's like ESPN way too early, top 25, and has a bunch of things on there and has Texas A&M at the top. And all these people are quote tweeting it like, oh, check this out. Yeah, if you actually click on the link, it just, it April Fools. April Fools. So you don't even know you're getting fooled sometimes. The NFL overtime rule, small change, not an April Fools joke. And all they did was react to the overreaction of the Bills Chiefs game in the playoffs. And oh my God, Josh Allen didn't have a chance to get back out on the field. I mean, no one's wrong when they say that. It did suck. It was this incredible back and forth between two of the game's best players, and then overtime hit. The Chiefs won the toss, and they went right down the field and scored. They also scored a field goal at the end of regulation where they had like 12 seconds to get in field goal range, and they did. So the NFL changes the overtime rule in that now if the first team that gets possession scores a touchdown, the game doesn't end. The other team has a shot. So... Under that scenario where the Bills and Chiefs are going back and forth and back and forth, I mean, isn't it fair to say that the Bills probably would have just gone down and scored a touchdown too after the Chiefs did? And you've got four downs to, to, to get a first. I know that, well, that's true all the time, Scott. But in the case where you know it's, you know, score a touchdown or the game ends, your strategy changes. You're not playing well. We might have to punt it away if it's fourth and long or fourth and seven. No, I mean, you, you, it opens your playbook even more. That's beside the point. The point is, okay, Chiefs score. Okay, Bills score. Well, now what? Now you're right back where you started. Oh, yeah, but Scott, maybe the Bills would have gone for two. Don't you think every team is going to go for two? Because they know, hey, if that other team scores a touchdown on the next possession, they're going for two. If we kick an extra point, they're going for two. Why would you give a ball back to somebody whenever you can just try to win the game from two yards away? So now both teams get to possess it in OT if you get to OT in the playoffs and the first team scores a touchdown. And if they do, I promise you they're going to go for two. And then the next team's going to go down the field. And if they score a touchdown and make a two-point conversion, now you're right back to, oh, well, what about now? Now it's about defense. Why what about defense the first time? Are you really solving anything? This is a overreaction to the overreaction. I do think there's something, you know, I, I do clap back a little to the, well, I mean, just play defense. Well, <laughs> okay. Yes, that's part of it. But NFL rules have changed and evolved for years to benefit the offense more and more and more. It's not the same as back in the day when the defense had a number of advantages. And it was just sudden death, kick three and it's over. There is no way to have the perfect overtime. It's already flawed in the regular season. When they when they went away from sudden death, but decided we're going to shorten, you know, the, the 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 overtime period to ten minutes instead of fifteen. 
That was dumb. You're just inviting more ties. They made a rule and there's still holes in it. And no matter what change they try to make, there's still going to be holes in it. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. I'm Scott Prather. This is the Great Scott Show. If you're listening to us via the stream, it is brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Rage Cage at softball in action this weekend over at Texas State. Texas State fourth in the Sunbelt Conference standings. The Cajuns second in the Sunbelt Conference standings, but they have won five in a row. They're coming off their biggest win of the season at Texas. We talked a lot about it yesterday. What a win it was. And now they're in San Marcos. Six o'clock tonight, two o'clock tomorrow, noon Sunday. All those take place 15 minutes prior as far as pregame goes. So 545 pregame tonight right here on ESPN Lafayette. Baseball welcomes in Georgia Southern, who is atop the Sunbelt Conference standings. We'll talk about that matchup next with the play-by-play man from the Eagles. Mr. Danny Reed joins me. I think he's in the Atlanta airport right now. What's what's the we'll get, maybe we'll get his airport review. Now nah, we'll probably just talk baseball. Come on. This is ESPN Live. Yeah, don't go anywhere back in two minutes on the great Scott show. It's give me all you got Friday. Don't go anywhere. Danny Reed, play by play voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Or is it Commissioner Gill? I'm not sure. <laughs> We're delighted to welcome Marshall Old Dominion and Southern Miss. Uh, welcome in. Good morning, Danny. Are you at the Atlanta airport right now? Is that true? No, no. I've, I've actually misread your message. We flew in yesterday, so we are in the hotel right across the street from the Cajun Dome. And I don't know why I thought Thursday was Friday and Friday was Thursday. Yeah, I, I, was, I thought it was yesterday. odd that y'all are traveling the day of the game, too. Well, shoot, if I had yeah. known that, you could have just... Could have come down. We're not far from you. You could have just come into the studio, Commissioner. I'm sorry, Danny. (laughs) That thought had occurred to me, but once I mixed up the days of the week, I was just happy that we got here in one piece. Yeah, I I think I think it was all just a route to make sure you didn't have to come in here because you. If I see you in person, you you know you can't just hang up. You're like, what is Scott going to make me do? At least this. At least this way, I can hang up the phone if he pushes it too far. You know, I know that you're on the Cajun side of things, but I'm going to try to make you a Georgia Southern fan for just a few seconds. Sure. The Beastie Boys song you just played, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, is Kyler Holtgren's walk-up at J.I. Clemens. It's good. It's good. I, I, I feel like that was the one, and I'm not about to make, is that what you said your favorite Beastie Boys song was? Yeah. Okay. And I'm not even joking what I'm about to tell you. This is actually a fact because I've asked him. That is also Commissioner Keith Gill's favorite Beastie Boys song. I think I'm – was that on video? I feel like I've seen that. Maybe. I don't know. I just I just know he brings it up now when he sees me. It's the only thing he remembers about me. He can't even remember my name. He's like, hey, man, uh, how about – now, it, it, would, it would really impress me if they were picking songs that weren't off the License to Ill album. Then I'd be – you know, then I'd then – I'd, then maybe I I just have to be a fan of Georgia Southern. Um, not to admit, man, it's a good song, but you know, it's everyone knows it's not like a deep cut or anything. All right, now I'm rambling. Uh, the Eagles, seventeen and eight overall, Danny, five and one in conference play. I think, um, you know, as far as Georgia Southern goes, there were expectations going into this season. Um, I know that you know folks have been talking about 
a number of the pitchers. Uh, I think Ty Fisher, the lefty that, that the Georgia Southern has been throwing on Saturdays, has, has been strong among others. But do you feel like Georgia Southern at this point on the diamond has met expectations, surpassed expectations, or aren't quite there yet? It's, it's, it's kind of all three because when the season began, you didn't have Mason McCorder, the player of the year. You didn't have the national leader in saves and Nick Jones. You had to remake your entire weekend rotation. You lost Stephen Curry, who was a five-year starter at second base. And then you go to Tennessee and you get pounded by 33-3 to in three games. So you thought that you had something, but that really turned these guys around to say, okay, we don't have base in here to hit 18 home runs and bat 370, so this is going to have to be a collective effort. Everybody's going to have to do their part. And to their credit, the last about five weeks that they they have since they, I think it was a two and five start, but ever since then, offense has been really consistent, batting close to three hundred. The bullpen has been really good. When you have Jay Thompson that leads your team in innings pitched and is second in the country in appearances, it just shows you how important he has been. Starters have gotten a little bit stabilized with Jalen Payton filling in on Friday, and you mentioned Ty Fisher on Saturday, and the fact that he's pitching at all is amazing considering that he took a line drive that broke a couple of his facial bones back on the February the 25th against UCF, and since he's come back, he has been fantastic. Defensively, the team has been very good, and then with that order, guys are recognizing roles, and they're just finding ways to win. It's It's been a very very nice thing to watch, but we know the schedule is getting very difficult very quickly, so these guys are going to have to show that that improvement has some merit to it and isn't just a good stretch. Yeah, I think, you know, from a Cajun standpoint, this is, um, you know, the last conference home series before... Uh, I mean, it's they, they go on the road next week. It's a tough road trip. You know, you have two midweek at La Tech, who's good, and then you go up to Jonesboro to take on Arkansas State before you come home. Um, to have... Georgia Southern, I think, at Russo Park is big. I mean, the Cajuns—they don't have a winning record on the road. They're—they're—they're they're, they're working on it. They're—you know—they're a game under five hundred, but they do have a winning record at home. And when that place gets rolling, and when you have the energy and the atmosphere like you had last weekend against South Alabama, like you had, um, you know, uh, in the opener against UC Irvine, it's—you know—it's some of the best in college baseball. Um, that atmosphere when the team is down is a little different, but it's, it, it, it seems to be palpable at Russo park this year from a Georgia Southern standpoint, Danny, and you've, you've been to all the ballparks where, where, where would MLT Moorefield at Russo park rank in terms of road venues for conference opponents? Cause you've been to all of them. From our perspective, we'd have to remember the last time we were here was the 2018 tournament. We haven't played a series down here in five years, which is really odd to think about. Every time these teams get together, it's memorable, especially with those meetings in the conference tournament four times since 2016. But that road series in 17 was the first time I got to really smell the Cajun cooking club, really get a chance to see Section A, hear center field because the press box was being renovated then. So we were outside all weekend on those on those wooden tables. So being in the middle of center field for three days was, was an awesome thing. And what really took me was in the series finale when Seth Schumann made his move to the weekend rotation. He threw seven and two-thirds that day, gave up just one run. Cajun fans applauded him as he left the field. And I don't know too many fan bases that do that for the opposing team. It shows you not only how appreciative they are of their own team, but also of good baseball. And that, that's something that I've always remembered. I've always really appreciated about them. What is the, the uh, strongest 
part of this Georgia Southern baseball team in your mind? That they find a way. And I, I brought that up to Coach Hennon during a pregame interview, I want to say a week or two ago, that this team just keeps finding ways to win. They've got four walk-off victories. And I, I don't know if you would say that they do one thing exceptionally better than any other thing, just the fact that they find ways. It's bullpen. It's offense. You've got guys at the bottom of the, bottom of the order that are swinging. Your number three hitter maybe your best punter. Your nine-hole hitter is starting to figure it out after a slow start. You've got a couple of starters you can rely on. You've got a Jay Thompson that can fill just about every conceivable role on the pitching staff, even though he does have five saves. It's simply that they've recognized that their collective effort is better than the sum of the individual parts. You know, the the, the Eagles, uh, I think you guys were, what, runner-up last year in the conference championships. You're leading the league in sack bunts. You're the best fielding team in the league statistically. A lot of the little things, like you said, you referenced earlier, Danny, in our conversation the start of the season, right? I remember Jay Walker and I were talking about just the number one Tennessee. Turns out they're pretty good, but that yeah, opening right. weekend, you know, t- knowing more about Tennessee now, but just I guess the lopsided nature of the scores and dropping five of the first seven, now having won 15 of the last 18, like was there a moment where things just turned, or was it simply circumstance? And look, early in the season, Tennessee was really good. And like, like how you look at it on paper, you say, boy, you dropped five of seven, and then you went 15 of 18. Was there a big moment? Yeah. Was there one thing? Was there a moment, or is this just, again, you know what? It's, it's more of just kind of the schedule and how things flipped out. Maybe a little bit, but I can think of a couple. Going to Tennessee was going to be tough anyway, knowing how good they are now. Georgia Southern would have been lucky to even be in a game with a team that's the best in the country right now, and I don't think there's much to dispute that. But the victory over Georgia Tech at J.I. Clements, the home opener, when it was a, a phenomenal crowd, it, it, that felt like Georgia Southern played its best game of the year. They were about flawless defensively. They had some big hits late. Georgia Tech never led in that game, and that was a Tech team that was – as high as, I think, number seven in the country coming into that game. The victory over Jacksonville in the midweek when the Eagles had multiple bases-loaded hits after really struggling in that category since the middle of last April. And the victory over Georgia at SRP Park in North Augusta when they got down 5 nothing in the first and then scored the final 13 runs. So it's been these little, these little bursts of energy where this team shows you exactly what they're capable of. But... In the midst of all that, the consistency ever since starting two and five and only hitting 185 as a team during those seven games, the consistency that they have brought because they're such an older team and they just found that strength in each other around, around like a guy like Ty Fisher with the injury that he suffered on the line or that came back to him. They just gravitated to him. They gravitated to each other. And it's, it's been a really fun group to get to know and really fun group to watch the first 25 games. Should be a great series, uh, 6 o'clock tonight, 4 o'clock tomorrow, 11.30 on Sunday. Uh, Rage Occasion radio side of things. Pre-game is 30 minutes prior to each first pitch. Jay Walker, Brad Topham have the call over on our sibling station, News Talk 96.5 KPL from Learfield. Danny Reed has been our guest. Danny, um, Commissioner Gill said really nothing about the addition of the, 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 the schools that are coming from CUSA until it was official. And he didn't really say anything other than this is great, right, if we're getting right down to it. I get why he had to be silent, but, like, I mean, you know, I, 
I had Dr. Maggard in here, you know, back in the fall, and he's like, look, the expectation is all of those schools will be in the Sun Belt this summer. And he didn't really waver yeah. from that. And then, oh, well, they're on Coos's schedule and this and that. Keith said nothing. Um, on one hand, I can, you know, poke fun or whatever. But on the other, listen, uh, even though you're great at imitating him and even though he took some heat for, I guess, the, the lack of um, promotion of UL and, and Coastal Carolina in football in the 2020 season and sort of their, their spot in a deserving spot, perhaps, in the Select Six, the biggest move of his tenure, the most important thing, is this. And and folks can say, oh well, he, you know, what did he really do? Hey, he's the commissioner. He did. I would I would guess that he did a lot. Looking at the additions of Marshall and Old Dominion and Southern Miss and James Madison and what that means to the future of the conference, you know, I we can make jokes. I got to tip my cap to him because even though the announcement earlier this week was was expected, um, it would have been a shock in my opinion if anything else happened with it, but. I think it's the biggest win, obviously, of his career, and it's it's one of the bigger wins for the Sun Belt Conference in a really long time. We're associating this with expanding the football side to 14 teams and adding a James Madison who has been outstanding in the FCS, winning national championships, getting to national championships, as good as Marshall has been historically, as good as Old Dominion and Southern Miss have been. Those are programs that I think are going to figure it out in a little bit sooner than later. But this is going to benefit the league across so many different sports. Baseball immediately becomes a multi-bid league in the NCAA tournament. I don't think that there's any way you can say they're not softball should get a boost men's soccer is going to be coming back that should get a boost with marshall having won the national championship unseated last year there is so much good that is going to come into this league starting on july the first and it is not out of the question to say that the sunbelt east is probably the best division maybe in football outside of the sec west and i would also venture to say that here very soon the sunbelt is going to be the premier league in the country in the g5 ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. All right, we're at the bottom of the hour. Danny Reed has been our guest. Uh, I will not be out there tonight. I'll be listening. Um, but I do uh, plan on getting out there uh, Saturday and or Sunday. So I will come tell you hi. And, um, you know, and I don't know if the commissioner will be there. But if he is, I will I will shake his hand and tell him job well done. And if he's not, I'll just let you go ahead and do that part. Just to be clear, you're going to be listening to us, correct? No. No, sorry, Danny. Okay, no, it'll be it'll be Jay Walker and Brad Topham. Just to be, just to be clear, you know, the last time you, I, I, it, I can't believe it's been almost four years. You mentioned the last time you guys were here for baseball. I remember you coming into the studio, and it basically just turned into a roast of Jay Walker. It's like, yes, it you were in here, and we just basically just decided, you know, who needs to talk about sports? Let's just talk about, you know, Jay and and all of his inadequacies. Now. It's because we love him, everybody. You know, he's our friend, so we can do that. That's what friends do. Um, and he was laughing for a while, but I think by the end of it, he, he, wanted, to, he wanted to punch you. Well, I think there was a softball delay that day. or there was Right. A we were on like an, an extra hour in the afternoon. Yeah. And it was you, me, Jay, and Larnard in there just rapping about sports. It was great. Yeah, it was fun. Hey, man, uh, enjoy, your, enjoy your weekend here, and um, thanks for coming on this morning, and we'll see you, uh, we'll see you at Arusso Park this weekend. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. You got it. That is Danny Reed, play-by-play man of the Georgia Southern Eagles. You can uh, give him a follow on Twitter at GS Eagles Voice. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, 
More on the final four in New Orleans. Why it pays to break news. April's place on the sports calendar. And don't get fooled. Don't get fooled. Ian Rappaport even just got fooled. I said it, I said, you know, said it, it pays to break news. Just maybe don't try to break it on April 1st. Don't go anywhere. This is ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. 1033 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Kim Mulkey yesterday, LSU women's basketball coach, was named the Associated Press National Coach of the Year. Third time she's had that honor. It's like One of the most prestigious honors in basketball, and you just put it on her resume, and you're like, man, it's not even at the top of the list. She has a perfect season at 40. You know, she's in multiple Hall of Fames, including the Naismith and the women's basketball, and probably 100 others. She's a legend, and she had a great first season at LSU. Won 27 games a year prior, they won nine. But multiple Hall of Fames, and, and speaking of Hall of Fames, one of the ones she's in is the Naismith basketball. And report came out yesterday. 2022 Hall of Fame inductees. Swin Cash, who works for the Pelicans. She's an executive with the Pels, has been for a few years. She's a WNBA icon, right? Three-time WNBA champ, two-time Olympic gold medalist, four-time WNBA all-star, Heading to the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame, as is George Carl. You know, the fact that George never won an NBA title as a head coach doesn't matter. His career speaks for itself, and he played in some finals, coached in some finals, rather, with the Sonics, but he was great. Bob Huggins, Huggy Bear, West Virginia's head coach. Been doing it a long time. Tim Hardaway is heading to the hall. Guy was on five NBA teams, five-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA selection. And Manu Ginobili. And if you don't think Ginobili has the resume for it, in 16 seasons, all with one team, Four championships, multiple-time All-Star, NBA Sixth Man of the Year. And, you know, the Naismith isn't just about play on the court. You look at some Hall of Fames, Cooperstown, 
it's what did you do on the diamond? Right? That's it. Naismith also takes into account impact on the game. It's why Yao Ming's in the Hall of Fame. Yao Ming played at a great level when he played, but it was it was for a short period of time. The injury started, and then he just, you know, he wasn't really a Hall of Fame player. He's in the Hall of Fame because of impact on the game. And as far from a global standpoint, he undoubtedly made one of the biggest impacts in the history of the league. NBA's going back to China to play some more games next year. That's controversial for some, but in terms of the global impact of the game, that's why Yao Ming's in there. And Ginobili, a Hall of Famer as a player, if you're saying it's borderline, well, it's the impact. Coming from Argentina and doing what he did. It's a nice, that's a nice Hall of Fame class. It's a nice Hall of Fame class. Hasn't been announced yet. It's ex- a formal announcement is expected to come tomorrow. So right now, we only know of those five inductees. There'll be 11 more that we'll learn tomorrow. But happy for all of them. Happy for Swin Cash. It's great. She's awesome. And uh, some shot. the Pelicans will now have two Hall of Famers on their staff. Teresa Witherspoon and Swin Cash. 40 minutes after the hour. Phone lines are now open on a Friday of the Great Scott Show. You know, I got I got an email early this morning before I got, before I got, like right when I got into the, about 6 a.m., right around when I got into the building, had an email from Clark. Scott, I hear you praise October as the best sports month on the calendar, and I hear a lot of folks say March. What about April? That's a good point. It's a good point. I wouldn't put April 1st or 2nd, but the Masters, the NFL Draft, NBA Playoffs, and the Final Four, it's one hell of a sports month. Now, the Final Four sometimes is just, you know, goes flat. There's no fizz. It's a buildup of all this great stuff, and then you get there and you're like, eh, hoping that doesn't happen this weekend. Let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Happy Friday. Hello. I uh, kind of caught the tail end of your, um, the Hall of Fame selection or, nom- or nominees. Uh, who, who, I heard Tim Hardaway. So five have been revealed. There's a 16-member class that will be announced tomorrow. The ones that The Athletic reported are Hardaway, Manu Ginobili, Swin Cash, George Carl, and Bob Huggins. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, Tim Hart. Yeah, like I say, man, it's, I don't really care for the Basketball Hall of Fame because, you know, it's not NBA. Like, I'm surprised. Like when, I don't know why the NBA doesn't have a... But somebody told me the Pro Football is not. It's also like that, right? It's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's not strictly the NFL. But I don't think how many Canadian. I know for the last fifty years. Like I'm not talking I mean, about the old. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you. I just know that, like, for Warren Moon, they included that in there. Um, but people don't think. Okay, where's the, Doug Flutie? Doug Flutie's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't think. And he, he look at his accolades north of the border. No question. You know, I mean, I was about I was about to bring him up, and but but that that goes to the point that 
the NFL doesn't really look at, uh, I mean, look, Flutie's in the College Football Hall of Fame, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. But when you think Pro Football Hall of Fame, people just think NFL. They don't think of any yeah. other kind of football. And Naismith, basketball, they truly treat it like it's, it's basketball all over the world. What was your impact, whether it be as a player, as an announcer, as an ambassador, as a journalist, whatever it might be, they, their committee, voting committee, really looks at all of the different categories. Pro Football Hall of Fame is writers that have just really covered the NFL that are in a room and you know kind of debate whether their guy belongs, and then they cut it down, and then they vote from there. And it's just it's totally different. And that's why I think when you have a group of writers that really only cover the NFL – you're not thinking of anything beyond the NFL unless it's just sort of added, right? Even without the CFL, Warren Moon was a Hall of Famer, but they get to add that in there. Like, and look at what he did here. And had he not had to go to Canada, uh, he probably would have led on all these other categories. It's not like anyone was like, he's in here because of what he did in the Grey Cup in, you know, 1980, whatever. But yeah. I'm with you. Doug Flutie, if it's truly the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and, and which it is, and it's not the NFL Hall of Fame, I'm with you. I think Doug Flutie belongs in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, there's, there's arguably never been a better Canadian football player ever than Doug Flutie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, Bruce Arians, man. You think so? I like the movie, too. Now, of course, one was going to say, okay, you know, he had tension, the tension between... Uh, Tom Brady and him, you know, between him and Tom Brady. Um, and they're going to say, oh, you know, he's probably forced out. But I like how he picked his successor. You know, no, no Zuni interviews, none of these fake-ass interviews. Like, hey, he's already in the house. They just, I just move and let him take over. You know, they've been working together. I think, um, I think Bill's played with him, played to him, right? The I played to him at Temple, right? Yeah. I, I like that Todd Bowles is the guy. I, I think it's, you know, I think it was a good move. I also think Bruce Arians was kind of forced out by Tom Brady um, and might be the right thing for Tampa. I don't know. I mean, and, and some were saying it was Bruce's health. He said, let's be clear, it's not health. It's, not, it's only this one thing. And I, I don't know that it's only that one thing. I think it's good that one thing that he did, but I don't think that's, I think there's probably more to the story behind it. Um, but to your point, we don't need to go interview a bunch of people. This is the guy. He's the coach. And because they waited till after a specific date, they didn't even have to go through with uh, the outside interview process. Uh, they were just able to promote bowls, and that was that. I wonder, I wonder if that would, start, would that start a trend? Well, you know, owners or whatever, GM trying to find a way to get out, you know, find a loophole. I guess right I just here. I don't know that you're gonna I don't know that there's a lot of guys that are whether you believe he was forced out or whether you believe he's just you know uh, doing this on his own. You, I don't think you're gonna have a lot of situations where a head coach is ready to just move to a front office and do it that way. I'm sure if a similar situation came along where you had a much older coach that's ready to go into the office. I, then yes, I could see him being like, let's just let's just wait this thing out. Let's keep it under wraps. Let's not say anything, and let's go about it this way. But I, I don't see some big trend coming forward. I think because at the end of the day, teams still want their coaches in place prior, you know, to a date. They want their coaches in place at the start of free agency. They want them in place for all of that. And I just don't see it becoming a, a trend like what happened in Tampa Bay. So. Uh, <clears throat> Monday night, 
I'm sorry, man. You're you're kind of it's kind of muffled sound there. I'm having trouble here. Monday night, he's going out a winner. Probably so. God, it makes me sick. Yeah, like I said, I'm not. I don't think I. Of course, I tune in Monday. I don't. I don't. I don't. I just don't. It's college basketball just it doesn't do it. If, it doesn't do it for me anymore. Uh, for a long time. Um, but I guess you got the blue bloods, and I'm sure the ratings, are, especially that uh, second game tomorrow night. I'm sure they they. <laughs> CBS is just going crazy. I'm sure they're happy, you know, with, oh with the advertisement God. dollars they uh, they're allowed, but they were allowed to charge. You they know? they are yes um, yes they they're hoping for the Duke finish all the way through. I am I'm going to be rooting against Duke hard, but um, they are probably they're probably going to win it all. They're probably going to, and they're just going to dedicate the entire one shiny moment montage to just Coach K through the years. I I hope they don't do that, but. It'll be a, um, yeah, it's it's going to be, uh, there's words, I, I, I'm i just trying not to say certain things on the radio, but they're they're going yeah. to, it's it's going to be Coach K worship for sure. It's like my love, I mean, my hate for Duke is like, it's not the same anymore. And I think a lot of that has to do with just the idea that I don't follow the sport like I used to. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Like you're, you're every, all of your emotions tied to college basketball, um, simmer down a little bit as your interest in the sport kind of does the same thing. Yeah. All right, man. I've been tuning in. Like I said, I just just listening, just been listening to y'all, and um, you have a good weekend. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate the call, Coach K. Probably so. I'm not going to bet on it because I just can't do that. I'm not going to root for it because I just can't do it. But yeah. Yeah. Final four. Finally here. Duke UNC tomorrow night. Villanova, Kansas, the first game there. And um, as far as Duke UNC goes, the spread in this thing right now is Duke minus four. Kansas, Villanova being that Nova would probably be an underdog to begin with, and they're missing one of their key players. Kansas is a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. No gigantic lines. And listen, St. Peter's was a great story. And their head coach, being now the head coach at his alma mater, Seton Hall, and, and all that, it was good. Run of the Elite Eight was fun. But to our last caller's point, the execs at CBS... Oh, my God. If it had been the St. Peter's Peacocks, a 15 seed against Duke on Saturday night. Yeah, they love Cinderella's until you get to the Final Four. They didn't want that. You want to watch that? Well, Scott, what if they beat Duke? That wouldn't have happened. Duke UNC. Jeez. Hey, if you're in New Orleans this weekend and you see Coach K, don't don't ask him to take a picture. It's very stressful for him. He does. He said he doesn't like all of this attention, while a documentary crew, by the way, follows him around for his entire you know final season as the head coach of Duke. He doesn't want that attention. He just wants to focus to be on the kids. Said the man who announced in June he was going to retire and have a farewell tour, but really didn't want to put the focus on him and wanted to make the announcement and make it about the kids. So if you see him, just let him just let him be. Let him have some peace about it all. He just wants it to be about the kids, not him. The entire Final Four will be about him, unless they lose tomorrow night. 
then it'll shift for the national title game. But this thing seems to be trending toward a Kansas-Duke final. And Kansas has been steamrolling everybody, but, you know, they've played Miami, Providence, Creighton, and Texas Southern. Best team they've played so far in the tourney is Providence. They beat them by five. The other teams, you know, they guess they only beat Creighton by seven, but it really wasn't that close of a game. Creighton was missing, you know, some of their good players in that one as well. And Miami was a 10 seed. They it was a bad matchup for them. Feels like Kansas-Duke, but I'm rooting hard for UNC. Rooting hard for them. How could UNC win the game Saturday? Well, it's really about their guard play. When their guards are making shots, they can beat anybody in the country. Anybody. Right? Um, Transition. Right? If they get out in transition, they get the rebound, they get, if Duke turns it over, but just, Things, I don't know, man. It's not like things have changed a ton schematically for them. Their half-court offense is not great. They settle for bad shots a lot of times in the half-court. And they're playing a disciplined team in Duke. They get out in transition. They get up and down. We got a game. If Caleb Love and Brady Manick play at their peak... UNC's got a shot. It's going to be awfully tough. Awfully tough to beat Duke. Rage the Cajun softball this weekend at Texas State in San Marcos. 6 o'clock tonight, 2 o'clock tomorrow, noon on Sunday. Pre-game begins 15 minutes prior to each game right here on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. April Fools, be careful, everybody. David Njoku, the tight end, said, Good morning, all. I have instructed my agent to seek a trade. I want my fans to know first. Ian Rappaport fell for it. Well, why wouldn't you? A player's out there saying, Hey, I want a trade. Then Joku responds with, I got two words for you, April Fools. And Rappaport says, okay, real update. David Joku's in active talks for an extension. Now back to ignoring everything online today besides this. Be careful. If anybody tells you any kind of big free agency Saints news or something wild, handle it with skepticism. Be on guard. Next week, I'll be on with you Monday morning. We'll talk Final Four, National Championship. We'll visit with Coach Glasgow. We'll visit with Coach Matt Deggs. It's going to be a great weekend. Dan Patrick Show is coming your way next. Enjoy the baseball and softball on the diamond. You're heading out to Hope Fest tomorrow. Free over at Moncus Park. Great music all day. Wonderful event. Wonderful cause. You're heading out to New Orleans. Hogs for the cause over at uh, UNO tonight and tomorrow. Another great cause. Whatever you're doing this weekend, be kind, have fun, enjoy life, enjoy the sports. I'll talk to you guys Monday. 
the ZSP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.